Good morning, church, and good morning to our chapel healers who are watching us by live stream. And if you're new, welcome. Welcome to our church. It's been, I would say, a pretty full-on week, and quite honestly, I mean, quite emotional, actually quite emotional. Uh, It could be a mixture of just the endless scrolling of alerts, of anxious articles that is bombarding everything. Um, It could be just watching some very distressing videos of the coronavirus ICU unit in Westmead. Uh, It's probably a mixture of all the adrenaline that I and the elders have been uh, working out of our system to really think hard and try to be proactive to lead our congregation uh, in love and care and decide what is most safe and appropriate for not only for us but for also for our local community. But I think I'm, it's quite emotional. I think I'm just going to really miss this. I really am going to miss worshipping together uh, in person. Um, it's lovely that you're here. It's a great encouragement, it, but it's still strange to be worshipping with distance. Uh, I think it it really, uh, I don't think it's just because I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I think it's a spiritual thing that we are embodied beings, um, that we are to have human contact. Um, but I've had to really remind myself of God's truth. I really had to preach myself God's promises. And as I was doing that, I did get to a place of great thankfulness. Great thankfulness, because as I was pondering about our current situation, there are God's grace. There is evidence of his merciful hand. Because if I thought about the coronavirus, if it had happened in any other decade, we would not have the technological advancement for not only churches, but organizations to continue to be on their mission. And so in this time, in this probably unprecedented pandemic, God is so kind and merciful that we have the resources now to continue to gather. And I think about that and and I'm just like, praise God. Praise God that in the middle of darkness, he lights up the world and his mission is unstoppable. His word, if our nation goes to lockdown will take his word to places where perhaps real estate agents can't go, Uber drivers can't go. He's going to take the word of God into people's living room. And as we speak, the friends on our social media connections, they're probably bombarded not only with our live church services, but all of their other Christian friends' church services. And so I think, yes, God is in control, He is Lord of all, and in an unprecedented way, his word is going out in ways that we could never imagine. And we're playing that contribution today as we open up God's word, not only into this room, but into many other living rooms. And we're going to have the privilege of serving many people in this way. And so it is with great honor and a great privilege that I get to open up God's Word this Sunday as we continue in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
And in today's passage, Jesus is asking you, what do you treasure? In other words, what are the things that you value? What are the things that you hold dear? What do you prize? What are the things that you keep safe? Or in other words, what are the things that you place your significance and security on? And in fact, this idea of treasuring actually starts at a very young age. Tristan, my son, the, things that he, the thing that he values, the thing that he holds dear, some of you probably know, is his tiger. His plush toy tiger. Tiger is the thing that he prizes. It's his dearest possession on earth. We have photos of Tristan having breakfast with Tiger. We have photos of Tristan asleep in the car with Tiger. And you can see how this goes. You do not leave Tiger behind in the car. If you try to do bedtime without Tiger, bad things happen. And no matter what stuffed toy is in his room, none of them is Tiger. And so at a, hard, at a young age, we're, we're hardwired to hold to things dear. We're hardwired, even from a very young age, to treasure our possessions. That is, uh, we hold on to dearly. And we hold on to these things as we continue to grow into adulthood. We just replace Tiger with perhaps other material things. Perhaps it's wealth or things like our reputation and sometimes when we do not have those treasured things when we sleep at night, bad things can happen. And just Jesus is still after the disciples' heart. He's still after the inner transformation of their hearts. And now Jesus teaches the disciples that treasures are a very accurate window to our hearts. The things that you treasure most the things that you hold most dear to is a very accurate window into our hearts. And how treasures rule our hearts, Jesus says, it actually starts with our eyes. If you look at the passage with me, if you have your Bibles open, I encourage if you're uh, watching from home, grab out your Bibles or open up another window uh, and look up Matthew chapter 6 and read with me. Um, from verse 19 to 21, but you'll notice 19 to 21 talks about treasures, and then verse 24 talks about money. Then sandwiched in between these verses are these strange words about the eye being the lamp of the body. So verse 22 seems kind of out of place. Money, treasures, you can see the connection there. Eye and a lamp? Well, Jesus actually says that's actually central to how we understand treasures and money. Jesus says, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus says our eyes are also lamps which can cast light or darkness into our bodies. Jesus is saying, beyond the physical side of our eyes, which is enabling us to see the physical world, there's also another dimension to our eyes. Beyond the physical, there is a moral and spiritual dimension to our eyes. 
And then Jesus says, if our gaze is on darkness, it will fill the body with darkness. If our gaze is on light, it will fill our body with light. What Jesus is talking about is whatever we focus on, that will determine a person's life. Whatever we focus on, that will drive and direct and control our lives. Like, have you ever tried to learn snowboarding? I think we've got a few snowboarders. They probably haven't hit the hills with kiddies now, but maybe a bit later. If you ever tried learning snowboard, at first you, you keep falling because, hey, look, you're a bit unco at first, but as you get a bit better, you still keep falling. Why? You realize that you keep falling is because you keep looking down. But as you get better, you realize for you to move forward into a certain direction, you have to look forward and into that certain direction, not down. See, our eyes help direct and navigate our bodies. The same goes with our spiritual navigation. Where we focus on is where our lives will be directed towards. And if our eye is good, meaning healthy, and the word good in the original Greek literally means single, So a healthy eye is a solely singled, focused on one thing eye, obeying God and living in the light, then your whole body will be filled with light. And then you'll be able to see clearly where your life is heading. In contrast, if your eye is bad, not single, but perhaps double-minded, double vision, focused on two different things, it'll be focused on darkness and there will be lost into blindness. Jesus is saying that a healthy eye is an eye that sees earthly treasures in relation to heavenly treasures. A healthy eye is able to see money in relation to God. A person with healthy eyes will have their vision enlightened to see the true value of things and therefore be able to be totally devoted to God. A person with a bad eye will have their focus divided between God and money or perhaps earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. You will not have a clear vision. You won't be able to have a clear direction in your life. In other words, our spiritual eyes are our value-assigning vision. When Jesus says our eyes is a lamp, what he's saying is our eyes are our value-assigning vision. So our spiritual eyes are assigning value to things. And it's assigning value in relation to things. Our eyes make earthly treasures to rule our heart by first darkening and blinding our eyes to assign earthly treasures and money with a higher value than it's actually worth. Earthly treasures rule our hearts when our eyes make an overinflated evaluation of earthly treasures and money in particular in relationship to heavenly treasures and God. And so when our earthly treasures and money begin to rise in our value assessment, that's when it begins to control our life. And that's when treasures and money begins to blind our vision. And that is why now that as earthly treasures and our money is rapidly decreasing in value, we feel like we're losing control of our lives because we've been blinded to just how fragile and temporary earthly treasure and money really is. 
And so the only way to be healed from our spiritual blindness is for Jesus to enlighten our eyes, to see the true value of earthly treasures and money by having an internal perspective on everything. And so Jesus says in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where the thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Earthly treasures, they're good gifts from God, something that we can be thankful for. But in terms of value and worth, the problem with material earthly treasures is, an accountant will know, the problem is depreciation. Every material thing is in the process of losing value. It's in the process of moving towards a garage sale and then into a dump. Or someone might try to steal the things that is on its way to the dump. Material things really have no permanent value and are never really secure. It can only provide temporary satisfaction. And Jesus says the smarter thing to do is to value and invest in treasures in heaven, spiritual treasures that will last forever. Treasure God himself who will last forever. Treasure the new heavens and the new earth that will last forever. Treasure the inheritance of the reward that we find in the new creation that will last forever. Treasure and invest in the people of God who will last forever. And therefore to serve and witness to people so that we could also treasure them when they also enter the eternal kingdom of God that will last forever. Jesus tells us sooner or later, all investments on earth will take a permanent dive. And so he instructs us to treasure the things in heaven, which is totally dependable. It's insured by God himself and is coming soon to forever replace Earth's economy. But we as Christians, we also struggle with earthly treasures, don't we? Why? Because we have eternity amnesia. We forget to see that there is more to life than the here and now. We forget the bigness, the grandeur of the kingdom of God and the God who rules over it. And so Jesus also enlightens our eyes to see that money can be a God that we worship. Read verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says we can worship God or we can worship money. We can serve King Christ or King Money. One of these kings will be the masters of our hearts. And the reality is that your heart simply isn't able to serve them both because each master will have conflicting priorities. And one way that we can get trapped into letting money become our master is letting money be our significance. When we let money be our measure of significance, when we see and think that our personal worth is equal to our economic worth, But the problem with using money to get our significance is as soon as we earn more money, get that promotion, or move into a different role, our sense of superiority diminishes very quickly because we realize that there is always someone else 
who earns more than us. We quickly feel inferior again. And so we are never satisfied, and so many of us are like a caged hamster, running furiously in the wheel, trapped in an endless cycle of never feeling content and never feeling satisfied. The other reason why we can get led to letting money become our master is using money to give us security. But the problem with money is that it is not a firm basis for security. Money can be lost, even from our bank accounts. We've seen this in the past global financial crisis, where national banks have collapsed in some nations. And in our current pandemic crisis, money and value is gone from our super, investment portfolios and assets, and money can't ultimately protect you from unemployment, natural disasters, terrorist attacks, the coronavirus. It can't protect you from tragedy or broken relationships. It's in our heart's desire for significant security that we get ourselves enslaved to money. Sin blinds us to see that money is a terrible master that doesn't care for us. Money never truly delivers significance. And even with money, we can still feel insecure in life. And so Jesus urges us to find our ultimate significance and security, not in money, not in earthly treasures, but in God the Father, who will meet our needs. Verses 25 to 34, Jesus uses a lesser to greater logic. He says, look and see at these lesser things, but how much and greater are you? We see it repeated several times. Look and see these lesser things, but how much more and greater are you? So read with me from verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, see how the flowers of the field grows. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, when God looks down on the world, what does he see? How does he see with his eyes? What does he see? What does he see the world? How does he value assign the world? Well, when he sees all of creation, he sees and values you more than anything else. In other words, you are his treasure. You are the thing that he prizes. You are the one that he holds dearly to. Jesus is saying, if God the Father cares so much about the birds and the plants, how much more will he not care for you who are his treasures? God in his fatherly love 
providentially cares and meets the needs of plants and animals. And so, of course, he will meet our daily and earthly needs. Our true significance is found in God the Father who created us to be the pinnacle, the gem of his creation. He created us to be his prized treasure. Our true significance is being found in being God's treasures. True security is found in God the Father who provides for everything we need in every situation. In our fallen current world, we have our Heavenly Father who always cares for and protects his prized children. The safest place on earth is being in the presence of our Father. The safest place on earth is being with our Heavenly Father. And so as children, we therefore do not need to worry. We can trust and have faith in our Father who loves, cares, and provides when we find our significance and security in our Heavenly Father, well, that frees us to have an ambition to seek first His kingdom, seek first the spread of His gospel, seek first being salt and light to our hurting world, to be a non-anxious presence in a city in fear. Because our Father sees, our Father knows, our Father provides everything that we need. Our Heavenly Father frees us from worry about our personal needs so we can put our best effort towards his kingdom. If you ever doubt about how much God treasures you, if you ever feel like worry rises perhaps this week, look to the cross of Jesus. Look at the cross of Jesus. Because at the cross, God affirms how much he treasures you at the cross. Jesus is God's beloved treasure. Jesus has ultimate significance. He is the son of God. He's also having the ultimate security. He was seated on the heavenly realms at high, but when he came to earth, what happened to him at the cross? He was utterly stripped. He was stripped naked of all of his belongings, all of his possessions, all of his status, he was stripped of everything. He lost all of his treasures. Why? He died for something he valued. He valued us more than what he had in heaven. He died for something he valued. He died for you. 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1 verse 9 says, You are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a people for his possession. Jesus died to purchase us as his possession. In other words, Jesus died for us, for us to be his treasure at the cost of his life. This profound, extraordinary, amazing act of love is what Jesus has done for us. That is your true identity. That is your true significance. You are God's treasure. Our personal worth is equal to being treasures of Christ. He treasures us so much that he would die for us, die for us on the cross. And when you know how much Jesus treasures you, when you know how much he values you, when you know how much he cares for you, you're free from worry. You're free from worry. 
If you ever doubt how much God the Father treasures you, if worry rises up this week, look to the cross of Jesus and there you will find great comfort that Jesus came so that we might be treasures of the Father. Let's pray that our Father's love would extinguish our fear and anxiety this week. Our good, good Father, thank you so much that out of all creation, you prize us, you hold us dear, you loved us so much that you would send your beloved Son to die for us. Our worth is equal to the blood and sacrifice of Christ. And what a great sacrifice that is. And it shows how much we are of worthiness to you. And that humbles us. Because we have turned the other way. We have ignored you. We have not loved you. Yet you still prize us and treasure us. And you'll go to the ends of the world to bring us back. And so, Father, help us to be reminded of the cross of Jesus because there we know the Father's love. There we know that he will provide and care. And so empower us with that knowledge. Change our hearts from the inside out so that we would seek first your kingdom. Seek first your kingdom because we know all things will be given to us as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.